When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Happy August to everyone. The home stretch of summer, the dog days, whatever you want to call it, it is here. That's certainly the case in the basketball landscape. The Newswire has just about run its course, and to many, basketball has been put on the back burner. However, as always, not us here at Celtics Beat. We go 52 weeks a year. The Boston Celtics, they did put the cherry on top of their offseason, most likely introducing their new players back on Monday, but we have a very, very special show for you. This is Celtics Beat being brought to you by Linda and Casper, and yes, I am Larry H. Russell, as always, with a very special show, going to dial it back a bit. Not way back, as for me, I was a sophomore in high school, and for today's guests, former Celtics Kenny Anderson and Eric Williams, they were in the prime of their lives, serving as key members on the 2001-02 Boston Celtics. And on today's very special first week of August edition of Celtics Beat, we will take a look back on that team as we talk with those two players, two starters on a team for many of us. Many people look back on that season fondly as it was a bright spot in a 15-year period of misery for the Celtics franchise. Shameless shout-out for my book, which is still available for free on CLNS Radio. Just go to clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. Again, clnsradio.com slash lhrbook to pick up your free copy of Fall of the Boston Celtics, written by yours truly. Talk with Kenny and Eric for that book, and we'll talk with them in just a brief moment. But before we do, we'll do what we do every week, our reached question of the day, which is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin, $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Celtics beat audience. 
Was the run to the 2002 Conference Finals worth sacrificing Joe Johnson to bolster that bench on that team? Just head on over again to R-E-A-C-H-T-A-P-P.com slash CLNS or grab the link. And feel free to contribute to the discussion over on our Facebook group. Facebook.com slash Beat. That's Facebook.com slash Beat. Should have some interesting feedback on that. I'm in the minority, and maybe because I was just a 15-year-old kid from Newton with all, all my friends. We grew up. We watched the Celtics. We loved the Celtics. We knew of their history, but for the predominant part of our lives, they were terrible. A team that meant so much to us, a sport that meant so much to us. Year after year, there was never a team we could pull for, but I remember that season like it was yesterday. I still say it was more than worth it. I had a blast, and that's what this truly is. It's entertaining. And I know it's, you know, set the franchise back a little bit, but, and I did cover that in my book, which again, you could, you could just check it out, but I'll leave it at that because guess what? I don't have time to go in to my usual monologues as I do every week. I'm sure that might be music to some people's ears because we have Eric and Kenny patiently waiting. So let's do this. Our interview with Kenny and Eric is being brought to you by DraftKings. The dog days of August for baseball have arrived, but Daily Fantasy is still in full swing over at DraftKings.com. Daily Fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every day at DraftKings? It's like a brand new season every time you play. Just pick two pictures, eight position players, and pick up your cash. That is it. Ask Peter from Colorado. Last year, he won a million bucks in one day simply playing fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans, just like you, have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. New contests start daily, so hurry to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free in today's $10,000 fantasy baseball contest. DraftKings.com, official fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Enter New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, so here they are, two members of that 2002 Boston Celtics team, two starters on that team. Boston Celtics first-round draft selection during 1995 and Providence College's own Eric Williams and former NBA All-Star and New York legend himself, one of the many from that area, Kenny Anderson. Guys, welcome to Celtics Beat. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate it. The Yankees fans on the show may not go over well with some of the audience, but safe to say the contributions you made to the Boston Celtics organization throughout the years, particularly that 2002 season, which we're going to discuss at length here with you guys, more than made up for any allegiances to any particular baseball team in the minds of certain fans. Uh, end of yeah. the 2001 season, uh, well, Rick Pitino quits, I think, around January 6th, somewhere around there. It was a Friday night in Miami, we all remember. Or Saturday night in Miami, we all remember it. You guys finished 27-27, and 27, very under the radar because, quite frankly, it had been a few bad years now. Mm-hmm. But talk about the momentum that you guys had built up after Pitino quit and you finished that season strong and nearly made the season as an eight seed. I, I mean, like, you know, I was pretty much during the, uh, the beginning of that year, you know, I was like, a, you know, the role player. You know, I came off the bench, you know, I tried to, you know, fill in any any little weak spots we needed at the time. And, um, you know, uh, Rick Pitino had his, you know, like I used to say, he had his guys, you know, certain guys that, you know, he played. That was his philosophy at the time. And, um, you know, I was one of, like, Jim O'Brien's guys, you know, like in, in practice. Practice, Kenny can attest to it. You know, at the beginning of the year, it was almost like it was two separate teams. You know, Jim O'Brien had the second unit, and Rick Pitino coached the first unit, you know, with Rick Pitino and, 
you know, Antron Walker and Paul Pez, et cetera. And, um, you know, we used to just compete in practice. I think we got better because in practice we used to compete with the first unit, you know. And, um, you know, Jim O'Brien made it a game as, you know, listen, this is a time you're going to have to prove in practice where you can um, get some playing time in. That's the look at it. So our practices got was getting so competitive, you know, month after month after month. By the time, you know, we got to the, to the point in Miami and Rick Pacino, you know, uh, bowed out, you know, Jim O'Brien just kind of like inserted two guys into the starting lineup, which was myself and uh, Tony Batiste, who was more defensive-minded guys. And then, um, you know, after that, it just clicked because, you know, the pressure was off. I think guys in the first unit, it was a lot of pressure. And, and Rick Pitino was getting, like, frustrated because he wasn't winning fast enough. And, um, you know, once he, you know, he, he stepped down, I think the pressure got off guys. And guys were like, listen, you know, I remember Kenny and, you know, we got like a half a season left. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's try to make a stand right now. And I think after that, you know, we practice hard. We have fun together. We hung out more, and um, you know that set the tone. Go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, just uh, reiterate what you know he was talking about and saying. I think when Jim O'Brien took over, he went more into a defensive mode, and he knew he had to insert two of the guys, Tony Batie and Eric Williams, into them in that lineup where we wasn't coming down. Uh, launching three pointers, and we still was launching three pointers, but our desperation was like, you know, our, 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 what we hung our hat on was defense. You know what I mean? And I can remember, and when they talk about defense nowadays in this, this era, I know we finished 2001, the third best defensive team in the league. And you could look at our team, God wasn't known to play defense. You know, Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, even myself. You know what I mean? But we wind up finishing third. Because we would stop people, we would make the game ugly. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. we, we, then that was our calling call. We like let's make this ugly, and then we got enough guys, myself, uh, Paul, and Antoine that can make big shots down the stretch if it's close. And yep. if you look back, that's how we won. We won all close games. We, it was coming to us, all close games, and our confidence built because all the games we were executing. We knew who the ball was going to. We knew, you know, our defensive rotation. And I give a lot of credit to Eric Williams, you know, for his defense. He was like our anchor. He was like the guy that communicated. The guy, when things break down, he was able to get on some people because we respected him because that was his forte was defense. So, yeah. um, and that, and that's what happened. And we just got close. That, 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 that end of that season when we were 27 and 27, God was just like, hey, let's just have fun. And also, while we having fun, let's win some games. And let's forget about. I, I think somewhat like we're not out, but we out. So let's forget about this season, but let's come. Let's finish off on a good note. So when we come back next year, we'll be like really ready to play in training camp. Yeah, yeah Kenny, I want to definitely follow up with you on that. You mentioned Eric Williams, and I remember speaking to Leo Papil for my book. How yeah. he had mentioned how Eric Williams was just imperative in terms of being a big glue guy for that team. We know of all the yeoman's work that Eric did do. Can yeah. you talk about some of the other guys on the team, maybe like a Walter McCarty, a Tony Batie, who really did some of that, you know, just that hardcore hey, work? Get to this day, you know, uh, Tony Batie is, is a clone of Eric Williams. They were tight, and, he, and I guess Eric rubbed off on Tony Batie. He was communicating. He was like, I don't care about touching the ball. I want, I want rebounds. I want block shots. And God would beat me and told me, I'm coming, man, I got you. Next time, I, you know, I lost that rotation, but next time I'm getting it. So Tony Batiste is, 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 is so 
so um, he fit in. He was a role player that fit in. And, um, and, and, and Walter McCarthy to this day, and I think Eric Williams would tell you, he's probably the most, the most positive, upbeat guy I've probably ever played with, like in my life, like as far as not playing, don't know when he's going to play, but he's always coming to work and practice, like real joyful, smile on his face, energy, positive, upbeat player that I ever played with in my life. Yeah, 100%. I ever played with in my life. He, he, he stayed one way. And that was always energy. He was happy coming to work. When things wasn't going right, he was always upbeat. And it kind of rubbed off. I know it did on me because I watched him. And I was like, man, we losing. This is going wrong. And this guy is still working. This guy is still having fun with it. So him and Tony Batiste was, uh, uh, was one of those glue. They, they were glue guys. Yeah. They were glue yeah. guys. Yeah, them guys, man. You know, I love them guys. I mean, Tony Batiste. You know, the only thing Tony Bertie wanted to do was protect the rim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Block size, protect the rim. That was his mind coming into this thing in practice and into the games, you know? And, you know, guys, Bertie, and, of course, Walter McCarty had, like, this – he had this energy, like he said, you know, we we down five games, we lost five games in a row. He in the practice, like, let's go. Let's get, let's get, let's get it. And it was like, yeah. yo – he ain't even getting, like, minutes like he's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So it was easy for us to come around that personality. And everybody brought something to the team, you know. Was, yeah, you know, we, was, we, we we won the defense down. K.A. and them had that leadership. And, you know, they was, they was great ball players and scorers. So, you know, for us, it was like looking up to them. And it was like, yo, let's just buckle down on the D. And we was those energy guys. Walter McCarty, uh, Tony Bettine, myself, we were those – Eric Strickland at the time. We were those – energy guys coming in there, yeah. like, let's just put the energy out. Our top three going to do what they do every night. It was like, listen, yeah. we can just bring a little bit to the game. And yeah. it, it, it turned out, you know, collectively, we brought a lot. And it just balanced the team. And uh, we got on the road, man. It, 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 it was fun again. Fans, everybody. It was just fun. You know, Tommy Heisen, you know, everybody came back, man. And it felt great. I want to talk about that training camp, uh, obviously. So you guys finished that 2001 season strong, and I'll, and I'll bounce this one to you here, Eric. Did you feel like going into that 2001-2002 team, the team that actually ended up going to the Eastern Conference Finals, not many guys, not many people with the quote-unquote experts picked you guys to do much, but how did the team feel collectively about how they were going to finish that season? You know what, we kind of like had a formula. Word up. I mean, you know, I didn't, we knew who we, who we were, you know. We knew, you know, we didn't have the, you know, we didn't have a whole bunch of, you know, star quality players like collectively on the five. But our top three was good enough, and we had some good role players who didn't really care what the, you know, media and nobody was saying. We just wanted to be grimy and, you know, bring all that dirty work to the, the old Celtics, you know what I mean? We wanted that, you know. And we knew we had guys, like we said, to the third, fourth quarter, we knew we had guys that can make shots, and you know, don't get me wrong, we 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 was able to make shots ourselves. But so yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much where we was at at the time. And when we went to training camp, we knew. I mean, Dick Harder was one of the top defensive guys in the history of the league. I mean, he was on all championship teams. We had the right stuff. We just had to, you know, go. We had to buy him to the system. And I looked at Dick Harder's defense and was like, man, he played in so many championship teams. Next, all these championship teams, it was Dick Harder's defense that was implemented in it. And I knew we can, like, try to understand that, you know, us collectively, understand that. And, you know, like I used to tell, okay, you know, man, just give me 12 seconds of hard D. Y'all motherfuckers can shoot the ball wherever y'all want. I don't give a fuck about that. You give me 12 seconds of hard D, 
at the end of the day, we're going to be in position to try to win games. And that's what happened. So day one, guys ran harder. We practiced harder. We practiced hard as hell, but we battled against each other. I took an initiative to guard Paul Pierce every fucking day one-on-one, every day. Because I knew he was a great player. He was going to help me out because my, my job was to take on the, the $100 million players. And I relished in that. It was like, it was like feed me, K.A. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to worry about D. I got your back, you know? So we had guys ready to take on those positions, which free up our scores and our stars. And, you know, we clicked, man. And that's when we, we got on the road. We knew what we had to do on defense. We knew how, much, how many points we wanted to allow. You know, okay, we should be like, man, fuck that. Yeah, we can't get them. Oh, they yeah. got 25. Yeah, we we can't. We got to get 19 yeah, we this knew. time. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We knew. Yeah, that was guys that, like he said, he would come in the huddle sometimes and just say a number. You know, the number was too hot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we got, can't give them 25 a quarter. We got to keep them from, you know, 15 to 19 and something like that. And, and, and we was aware. And guys, you know, right. and, um, and the NBA is all about team defense. You're not really stopping the one one on one. Guys are too good, too great. You right. have to have that rotation. Five guys got to be on the string, and and we was we was like that most of, most most of the night. And he, and then some nights it was funny. Some nights when we didn't even put the ball in the basket, you know, we defend, and the <laughs> yeah. game was ugly. The game was ugly, and we yeah. went seventy nine to you know uh, yeah. seventy five. Yeah. We're, we're like by two points, and, and guys be like, damn, how they winning, how they winning? It's because we're just playing defense. We bought, like he said, bottom line, the, the thing about the NBA, we bought into the system. We just bought into the system, offensively yeah. and defensively. It's almost like when you guys seem to play, you know, when those shots weren't falling, you seem to even turn up the defensive intensity even more. Yeah. A game that I sort of harken back to is that infamous playoff game against Detroit, 66-64, game <laughs> three in Boston. <laughs> That was yeah. sort of the case there, huh? <laughs> yeah. That yeah, was one of the funniest games we played, man. You know? Yeah. If you looked at our bench and you looked at us and you looked at our faces, this was the game we wanted to play. Detroit wasn't used to playing that game. Yeah, you know, they had the history of being, like, rough and bad boy and all that stuff. Yeah. But really, we brought that badness to, to it, you know? And, and once they was in the garden, forget it. You wasn't kind of like, yeah. you wasn't putting big was, numbers yeah, up in the garden. No more. Yeah, that was yeah. like... It just was an ugly game, and we knew it, but who cares? We just tried to get a W. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. how we were. That's how we were. Let's, talk about, let's talk about Paul Pierce. Um, go, you, if you guys remember, the season before these conference final season, March 2001, he had that huge, just complete I'm here type you know, games. He had all those 40-point games. He had the big game against the Lakers. Shaq called him the truth. Now, I remember at the time, we were all looking for the Mike, next Michael Jordan, and the bit debate amongst playground NBA fans was like, who is better, Kobe or T-Mac, or Iverson or Kobe, or T-Mac and Vince Carter? You mm-hmm. know, I remember a column Peter Vesey wrote, uh, uh, the one guy who said he closest re- resembled Jordan at the time was Pierce. Can any of you sort of tell me where you guys truly felt Pierce was at the time amongst his peers? I mean, you know, if I, if I take this one, K. Hey, listen, we knew he had a great talent, you know, and yeah. you got to understand something. Only way you, you can, an uh, individual on a, in, in the NBA can be great is you got to have great teammates around him. Yeah. We allow him to go ahead and just go. You know, AKA, when you tell him, it's like, listen, Paul, we want, we, you are fucking guys. We need you yeah. to score. So if he already yeah. going in the mind, already knowing this shit, now he could be free to go out there and try to punish dudes. Because let me tell you something, we made it hard as hell on him in practice. At least I know I yeah. did. I made sure I guard that motherfucker every day because I know he was a great talent, man. And when he got out, 
and perform, he performed like it was nobody guarding him because we made it so hard on him in practice, man. You know what I'm saying? And K, he had good guys who was going to get the ball. I think, first of all, he's a great fundamental. He's a fundamental player, regardless. He he got great footwork. He knows how to come off screen. So therefore, Eric Williams' part, we have myself being a point guard. He doesn't have to bring the ball up. He was getting he was getting he was getting the ball on his sweet spots a lot of times. Exactly. You know, and Antoine Walker being attracted two three players sometimes. Um, so Paul was in a great situation. You know, I think to, to, to come out. I remember him as a rookie. You know. And I saw some greatness in him, you know, when we drafted him. He came in with a chip on his shoulder because he went 10. And he thought he should have went lower. And, um, you know, he just was a great, first of all, a great shooter. That sets up everything. And then he's like 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, really strong up top. So it's really, you know, nothing you can do with him when he's hitting his shot. And, that, and, and that's why he's still playing this long because he's, he's footwork and um, he, he, he's deliberate. You know what I mean? He takes his time. He just knows how to play. He got that old man game. He had it. He had it when he was young. Yeah, yeah. Fundamentals yeah. and all that. But I think it was a great, great organization for him to grow in the Celtics, and they built around them. Even when they got rid of you know myself, Antoine, Eric, they still yeah. brought pieces and they kept him. And they had to because you know he was the, he was the truth. Yeah, and they the built truth. around him. And it was awesome. I want to now definitely get on to the season. You guys got off to a, gr- a good start, but then you lost four games in a row there towards the end of November. I think even early December, you felt you guys fell back under 500. And from me as a fan perspective, it was like, oh boy, here we go again. Another crappy season, same old Celtics. But then one game, because we're talking about Pierce, obviously. We know what game we're talking about. One game down in Miami, the scene of the crime a year ago. Pierce at the top of the key, gets the ball, goes around the defense, gets a shot up over Alonzo Morning, scores at the buzzer. You guys celebrated like you won that championship right there. <laughs> yeah, man, it felt great. You know what I'm saying? We needed that win, you know, and that was one of those teams at the time where, you know, we were like, yo, we need to go in here and, and, and just, we didn't need a good performance. You know, we was, I think we wasn't playing good. It was almost like, uh, you know, that, that little slump you have sometimes after the first 25 games. And it's like, you know, who, we, who are we? Who we need to be? You know, I mean, every, all the teams were settling in. Teams have saw, saw us play one time around. So everybody knew what we wanted to do. And, you know, it was, it was kind of tough trying to figure out those type of schemes. But, you know, we got that win. And it was almost like it just took the pressure off, man, because we knew we, had, we was good enough to win games, you know. And we, we, we pride ourselves on not going on these three-game slides. And here we was on the five-game slide, you know. So, you know, that was my perspective. Go ahead, Kay. Yeah, I just think, you know, like Eric said, just to, uh, you know, when you go three, four games losing streak, you wonder, and everybody, you know, the year before and everything, oh, here they go again. But, you know, we had some type of fight in us, you know, and, and sometimes in the NBA, it takes one game to turn the season around. It just takes, yeah. not the season around, but to get that momentum again. And I think by beating Miami, coming down there, beating them there, uh, kind of, you know, took us to another uh, another level far as with our, with our momentum. And our closeness, our closeness, mm-hmm. because yeah, you know we was playing, you know we was playing games and, and losing games close, but then also we was winning games a lot closer. So it builds confidence, and and, and that's what I think the Miami that that game did. Yeah, I mean Paul, you know, just went on a whole nother level as far as confidence as well, and you know, and when you got a player like that putting the ball in the rack, you know, early in the games, then you know your, your defense be 
much more potent, and you're gonna want to, you know, get down there and it gives you, your defense a little bit more energy. I mean, you know, Ka started slapping the floor on defense. Antoine, even Paul, you know, as we look at him today, that's the foundations of our team back in the day. Paul became a stopper at one time in his career. So, you know, when he won those championship teams, so you know, all those all those principles still stay with us. And you know, I I I, I will never forget, you know, Dick Harder and what he did for me as far as a player yeah, understanding the game. You know. I mean, that was my dude. Help me understand the game and understand the concept of defense and you know, 24 second clock and just you know, understanding these these little little nuances that I was you know more I was able to be the vocal for the rest of my guys and then once we got tight in that connective unit, it was, you know, we was unbreakable, man. So Dick Harder for me, you know, out of all the goodwill and the players I played with and those things, he really gave me that understanding and concept and I, I, I always you know for for me, you know, so that was my, that was the real turning point for us and the whole team because, you know, although Dick was the quietest of us all, you know, it was his concepts, his defense, and, and, and his, his way of life that we took on. We took on his personality, you know what I mean? And it just, it just, it just went from there. So that defense was just sort of the identity of the team, and obviously you all remember sort of Bob Ryan kind of calling you guys what was it, the gun and chuck, but there was defense, and then it was also, I thought, winning close games Kenny, you were sort of alluding to it early on how that Miami win was sort of very important in that regards, and you guys got on a roll there. You, you remember you beat Phoenix with an over in overtime after Walker tipped in a pier shot at the buzzer. Once you guys mm-hmm. started winning a few close games, after all the close games you lost under Patino, what did it do for the confidence of that team? Well, well, that's what it's about. Like I, you know, we all have done it in high school. We've done it in college. When you, it's, that's about key. Every time you win a bunch of cold games, it brings the players and everybody together. And it, it, mm-hmm. it over, overwhelmed our confidence. We had overwhelmed confidence in each other and together. We was just like, hey, it doesn't matter what situation we was in, never waver, never waver. Let's keep playing the way we're playing. Let's play hard. And, um, and, and that's what we did. It, it, it showed in the, in the playoffs against the net. We got 20-something points in the fourth quarter. You know, and nobody wavered. We and we we, we played we played harder. Most teams be like, it's over. Let's just pack this one in and go to the next one. But we played hard, man, every night, night in, night out, and it was coming to cold game. And that's one of the that team, my nineteen ninety college team, I thought was the closest team I ever played on. That Celtic team two two oh one was the closest team on the court and some and most of the time off the court. We yeah. were so close. Yeah. That was the closest team yeah. that I've ever been on. And that's why me and, and, and me and Eric Williams, uh, who, um, uh, just Eric, me, me and Eric Williams have, have stayed, have stayed close, you know, uh, together, or, you know, out of retirement. And that's one of the reasons I yeah. believe, because we experienced, you know, that Celtic team. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because, um, you know, like to go into it a little further, what K.A. was saying, you know, right after that, we, we went on that long road trip. You know what I'm saying? And we went on that long road trip, and it was just us. You know, we had just, you know, beat Miami. I was on that first leg of it. And then we went out west on that, you know, that, that we normally go, off, go out west on that long road trip. And uh, we went out there with, like, serious energy, serious connected list. I mean, we did everything together when we were out there. And uh, it showed on the floor because, you know, we started winning, started beating teams in the west. Just, you know, just beating, beating, you know, the, the beating game, down. I know it was the game I thought about out west 
and they showing something that was on YouTube. Somebody sent it to me years ago. The, the, the Laker game. We beat them on the yeah. buzzer. I think <laughs> we beat them on the buzzer. Kobe and them was bad. Shaq, they was bad. We beat them. I, I think Shaq played that game. I don't think he, he played in Boston. Yeah, yeah. He didn't no, play in Boston, Shaq no. Played. Yeah, he had their whole, they had their whole team, and they thought they was going to beat us. We, we beat them. Uh, it was, it was just amazing. That's the game I remember. You, know yeah, you had some huge baskets in that game. Two at the uh, end there. Yeah. You hit the two big hoop. Yeah, I wasn't playing well. I wasn't. I was coasting, and that's what I did with this team a lot. I didn't have to look for my scoring. But then Antoine yeah. and Paul would go into drought sometimes, and then I would hit two, three buckets. You know, get a steal yep. or something. Yep. That's how I played. I didn't shoot much. I think I averaged. Yeah, I averaged twelve and seven. That's like one of my best leading shit roles I ever played in the league. My fourteen years. I think I averaged twelve and seven on that team, but it was when, when I struck, when I struck, it, 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 it was it was for something, it was for a win, you know what I mean? But after the yeah. game, I remember because I, I remember after the game, Kobe was just rushing, running to the ref, they was mad, and we ran off the court. It was it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we ran off because you know uh, Antoine hit that bank shot from the three, yeah. banked and then and inbound pass passed to him, and uh, we ran off the floor, and uh, you know the team was you know elated. And, uh, you know, we went on. I think we beat Utah, too. We went in there and beat their ass. You know what I'm saying? So, it was, that's, that's how it felt. You know, that was the feeling. You know, and once we was got that, back to was that the, Boston. Now, was, I, don't, I don't think. Was that the game after All-Star break? When we you played in Utah, was, we won? Uh, if you're talking about the Lakers game, and I really wanted to yeah. get into this because you're talking about how close that team was. That Lakers mm-hmm. game was, I want to say, the Tuesday before the trade deadline. And we all remember mm-hmm. the discussions leading up to the deadline. You were in virtually every yeah. single rumor, largely because of your yeah, contract. Yeah. You were making $9 million yeah. after coming off the books. Yeah. Yeah. Big rumor going around was you and then maybe, say, Joe Johnson or Kedrick Brown going to Denver for Nick Van Exel and Rafe LaFrance. Yeah. What was going yeah. on for you? Yeah, that was it. That was it. What was that going was on it. That was the trade room. Me, personally, I, I didn't I, – I, in a way, I was like, man – I knew I was the I was the I was the target because I was I think nine million dollars I was on my free agent year you know and this is where business comes in and it fucks you because they they fucked me in the summer they said we're gonna we're gonna keep them and then we're gonna trade them in the summer so you know and 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 I was you know that was my free my I had one more year and I had played so well and I was so comfortable with my players my team if I would have had that next year with the Celtics. I would have had to get paid, you know, a nice grip of money. But they yeah. screwed me and and, 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 and and traded me to Seattle. Not during the season. They waited and, and in the summer, traded me for ben, ben Baker, who's a good friend of mine. But he wasn't the same Ben Baker, you know, of, wow. of, of, of when he was younger and all that. So I didn't get it. That was the trade that took the passion out of me. That's what I was done. I really was done mentally with the NBA and with my feelings yeah. because I had done everything right. I was close to my team. I missed playing with Eric. I missed playing with that whole team. I was like, wow, man. Then they had me up in millions, millions of miles away in Seattle, you know, backing up Gary Payton. It kind of took the air out of me. I'm like, damn, I was one of the top point guards last year. Now I'm sitting behind Gary Payton, you know, just just Lee show. You know, that was his team. He's been there 20 years. So I'm like, hey, how you yeah. could you trade me to trade me somewhere that I'm going to play? You know what I mean? So it's just the nature of the business. The bitterness is out, you know, out of me. But the first five, six, seven years, I was kind of pissed off with the Celtics. 
And uh, I always wanted to know, like, who did it? Who pulled the trigger on that one? Because it was the summertime. They could have got me something better. Yeah, that was obviously yeah, that was, an infamous that, trade. Yeah. yeah, that was a tough one, you know what I mean, for us, too, because we really didn't understand that. We definitely didn't. You know, we, we, we had a point guard. We had a guy. Then I was, uh, yeah, team, before, he, know, he, so. before that went, they went into the playoffs again. I was out of the playoffs, and I watched that during, when I was in Seattle. I'm like, they didn't even have a point guard. Tony Jones no, was trying to play the point guard. That's the problem. Yeah. I was like, man, I should be there. So this, I was like, yeah. oh man, this just was, it just was, it yeah. just was hurt. This was hurt. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, Ben Baker was a great guy, you know. What I mean, a good, good individual. But at the time, we didn't really need that position. I mean, we had Mark Blunt yeah. rising up. We had Tony Petit, you know, and Antoine was six ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? What helped us and what helped our team at that time was we had a six ten guy who can pass very well, and we had a point guard who can pass the best. And it was, and yeah. that's what helped our team on the whole. You know, we didn't necessarily need, you know, uh, uh, isolated, you know, four guys to score. We had yeah. Tony Petit and, and, and Walker McCarty who could spread the court, the court out and play defense. So we, we, we was unique in our way. I think, you know, it took for granted who Kenny was in, in, in his position in yeah. our team and who he was in our team, you know, and, yeah. and, and it wasn't the right play because it's almost like they took on more money getting Ben Baker. They took on yeah. more money getting Ben Baker. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, you know, giving K8 for that last year and letting him play out yeah. with us and then be, having him a chance to go wherever he wanted to go, you know? So yeah. I can understand what took the business out of him, you know, when it happened because it, it kind of like happened for all of us cause after that. Cause once Kenny left, yeah, you know, I'm, that already, I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm not, I'm not bragging. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm blowing my own horn, but maybe I am. It hurt everybody on that team when they, when they let me go. Because I was the yeah. point guard. I got the rules of the guy, the balls, the right situation. I did what I had yeah. to do. I even played defense that year, a couple of years, you know what I'm saying, with, with, because of Dick Harder yeah. and Jim O'Brien being on me. I, was, I, think, I, think we, I think I was top ten in steals. It's yeah. just, it's just my whole course, it's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's over man. with now. It's over with now. But I just always won. It hurt my career far as financially. I know that because you couldn't tell me if I wouldn't play with that Boston team another year, that my numbers and everything would have been, it definitely would have been the same, but then I definitely would have been, you know, who, who knows how a team goes. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, exactly. you know. Exactly. exactly. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. it definitely seemed yeah. to take a lot of the air out of the balloon for the Celtics going into yeah. that next season, too, because, like you said, Kenny, I mean, you could just sort of, I mean, they still had Pierce and Antoine, but if Pierce, if you recall, had that terrible summer on that U.S. national team, we all sort of remember what happened there. And yeah. the Celtics were definitely a good team that following year, but you, that, that camaraderie, at least for me as a fan from afar, it didn't really seem to be there that season like it was during Eric, the- Eric knows, man. And, then, and then my high school coach, my co- college coach, everybody, they said, that, Kenny, that's your best leadership job I've ever seen you do. Yeah. And Eric knows yeah. that. I, 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 my yeah. ego was left at the door. My, I, I, I just felt that I was the leader of the team. You know what I mean? And when you get rid of somebody like that, and the value, they didn't value me. And I understand it because it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Like, maybe we could do it this way. Maybe we could do it that way. And they lost the gamble, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they lost who up. They lost our identity of who we were, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Van was a great guy. You know what I'm saying? But his personality didn't fit our, our team. 
You know what I mean? He was more quiet and to himself, and you know, uh, you know. Then we, you know, we come to find out what happened to him afterwards. You know, no one knew yeah. about the problem that he had. But you know, that goes to show that you know sometimes you can't you can't outsmart what's, what's already there. I mean, we had yeah. a functioning foundation. You know what I mean? Already there. You know, we had a we had the three-headed monster. We had a great point guard who could score whenever he won, bring the ball up, get us in position. We had a great guy who could come off screens like. You know, you, they like to compare Paul Pierce to um, Michael Jordan at that time, but he was more like Larry Bird, man. He was coming off screens, knowing yeah. when to shoot. Wow! And he had yeah, a guy who could yeah, hit him. Yeah. And, and we had a great passing uh, power forward, man, Sean Walker. You know, like, I knew with Kenny Anderson, after every timeout, I knew I was getting the ball. That was my play. Yeah. Every timeout, yeah. I got the ball. So he knew how to get everybody involved. You know what I mean? It was like, we had our own game going in already. I knew when my shots were going to come out. You know, if I, I was going to play off some guys because they was better. But at the end of the day, I knew every timeout, which is what, six timeouts on each side, that's six attempts for me. We knew how to play with each other and keep everybody involved. Yeah. And they broke that up. And then, I, and then like he said, I would know. I would know. Eric Williams, Tony Batiste, those guys ain't touching the ball enough. I see one, two plays, and I still get gobbled up on. Because at the time, Paul might be open. Antoine might be open. But I think I'm giving the ball to E this time. He's got to get touches sometime because he's been busting it ass defensively. You know what I mean? So this is where I came in at. And the guys, you know, used to, you know, we used to bark at each other. But it was understandable, you know, because they wanted to win and they wanted to shoot. But then I had to be that point guard to say, hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's what it was. And we had that no more. I definitely want to get sort of, because we were talking about the trades, obviously the infamous trade of Kenny Anderson at the end of the season. But Kenny, as we remember, he survived that deadline. Rafe LaFrance ended up going to Dallas with Nick Van Exel. Uh, I yep. guess sort of the compensation was the Celtics ended up sending Joe Johnson to Phoenix for Rodney Rogers and Tony Delk. Obviously, Johnson but got that, off to that but, great start. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, I remember that. And I, when I see Joe and I took, that was, that, that was one that had to be done. You know, because he, yeah. he was playing yeah. behind Paul Pierce. That, that's a logic trade. You know what I mean? That opened Joe Johnson up and made his career blossom. He could not yep. he could not perform with, with us in Boston with, with Paul Pierce. You know, that yeah. was the ideal trade from the gate. And it brought us back. Tony, Tony Delt, who's a combo between her, who's a great shooter, comes off screen. That can play the point guard in first, but he can't play the whole game as a point guard. Now we can't win the championship. Rodney Rogers. Yeah, Rodney Rogers, great. You know, stretch three. He could play the three. He could sometimes play the four. Could put the ball on the floor. Yo, our team, with with all of us, our team was a great fit. It was like, wow. Yeah. We we had everything. If you even recall, Rogers was ended. uh, Jim O'Brien was playing Rogers at the five in that infamous series against Philadelphia, and that really helped you guys a lot that stretched the defense against Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. When you guys got Philly, you were not that wasn't really the best matchup if you recall. They took three or four from you that season. They had something like they think they yeah. were up like yeah, 14 yeah. to 16 against you, something crazy. How'd you yeah. feel about yeah, I remember going that, that series? I, like he said that wasn't a good matchup and I was like, wow, we got Allen Iverson. I think he was a top scorer that year. But we knew, we yeah. knew. I knew and everybody Dick Harden said, Joe, just make it tough for him. He's gonna shoot a lot. But we I gotta get him on a high value. If I get him on a high volume and he's like, you know, 12 for 24, you know, like 12 for 
30 and all. I don't know what it was. One, two games, he shot the ball not that good, but he scored 30 points. So that's yeah. how you had to think of um, Allen. Now, if you got him going on a 10 for 10, a 10 for 15, then I was in trouble. But, um, you know, I had to make him work for everything he got. It was tough. And uh, they inside, they had big, they had big. But you know, we we was ready, we was ready that year for that playoff. We was ready. Yeah, I mean, we kind of like told Kay, hey, like, listen, man, he was doing this to everybody in the league. Let's stay up on him. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. and run him to the paint. We like, yo, run him, yeah. run him in here. We gonna knock him down. We gonna get some charges. Yeah, we gonna make it real yeah. tough because we knew from the outside they had a guy like Snow where we could kind of like, you know what, when if a chip, when push comes to shove, let Snow shoot. Yeah, we run it. You know what I mean? So, Dick Harder and them had a game plan already from the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we took away Dikembe and Snow, and we said, you know what? Them motherfuckers going to beat us. We ain't going to yeah. let these other, you know, oh, his point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cats. what it was. I forgot about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember when we was like that? Okay, it was like, okay. Yeah, I forgot because we was like, go, let Allen get his, he's going to get his 30, maybe 40. But if we stop those other two guys, it's our game. It's our, and that's what happened. Exactly. They role plays and they play well. Yeah, you guys exactly. took, you know you I mean? took the first two games of that series at home, blew them out in game one. Remember the highlight of that game, Walter hit a three-pointer, hit a half-court shot at the buzzer. And then, yeah. and then game two was that classic ugly game you guys played. You pulled it out. But then you dropped two tight games down there in Philadelphia, and the yeah. infamous storyline of that was Stephen A. Smith infamously called out Paul Pierce, basically called him a bum uh, without Wonderful. calling him a bum. <laughs> to this day, do Wonderful. we have any stories of how Paul took that? I don't remember. I, Eric might have known some close. I didn't really. When we lost in that, we go home playing game five. I just, I, I just knew we were going to win at home. I just, I, I just yeah. said we home. We know what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, Stephen A. At the time, you know, they was riding, uh, you know, Allen Iverson. That, you know, he was the yeah. number one beat writer in Philly. So I understood him saying that. And, you know, that was their personality down in Philly. You know, when the Philly Celtics rivalry is a motherfucker, man. I mean, yeah. I saw them beat up one of the Celtic fans in the stands, man. You know what I mean? It was like crazy, yo. You know, it was like crazy yeah. down there. Philly was like one of the only arenas that had a police station on site. Yo, it's crazy. So, yeah, I, yeah, can understand, yeah, yeah. I can understand him saying those type of uh, sayings. But, you know, we was always, you know, close-knit. We ain't really care about that, you know. And we should have won the third number, game number three. We should have. No, no, game four, we should have won. You know what I'm saying? But... You know, like I said, we came back. Allen Iverson is a great player, man. You know what I mean? Derek Coleman was, you know, started coming around. All the guys playing good. They was at home. But, you know, like K.A. said, when we got to Boston, we blew K.A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I like, was just coughing. I said, we winning this for five. I just knew it. I said, we yeah. going to win this for five and move on. <laughs> so with that year, that yeah. was our, our home was like bread and butter. We were like, I don't know how many games we lost or won, but I just knew we felt comfortable at home. And uh, we yeah. wasn't going to lose, you know. The momentum was yeah. going outside, even though we had lost two. It was, it was a tie, yeah. two, two. And this is where it comes back. This is where our confidence from having that season we had, you know, the close game. We were just so a confident group. I was like, oh, we're we, 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 we going to win. We played game five. Let's move on, you know. That yeah. season really invigorated the interest of the fans, obviously, as well. I mean, the, the Garden, I sp- specifically remember that Philadelphia game. That game five, that was a Friday night. That place was an absolute madhouse. I mean, how did you guys, how'd you guys feed off that crowd that was in Boston? That it was unbelievable, man. You know what I mean? They had those fucking towels waving. You know, and, and it was like my true first experience, man. It's like 
You know, like, wow, this is what Boston tradition is all about, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we finally got it almost back to that level again. And, of course, the crowd, the, I, I, you know, the Boston Celtics fans, Boston fans in general, they're the most knowledgeable fans, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. They appreciate all 12 guys in the coach. You know what I mean? So it was easy for us to come in and play the way we play. It was easy because the energy was there. Yeah. I, and, you know, all the old Celtics was coming back, have a check. You know what I mean? Before, you know. You know, you know, I'm going to say this right now. I mean, when Rick Pitino had first took over, none of the old Celtics, all the greats, they didn't come to the practices. It was like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Because everybody got fired in the Celtics organization. All the people who used to work there for over, like, 30 years, they were getting fired with just the regular people who worked there. So, you know, all the old Celtics didn't come back around. You know, Red back title as president was gone. And it was like, who are we? You know what I mean? And... You know, when we came back and revitalized, you know, you know, know. stepped down, I, you know, know. the old Celtics came I, back, man, and it was great. I had, yeah, that feeling, I remember, I just, when we came out on the floor, I always got chill goosebumps. Uh, it was like, that the, that Boston Guard was like, yo, it was the most <laughs> loudest place <laughs> I, I ever played in. I was like, this is crazy. You couldn't <laughs> hear yourself. And then the game when we played, uh, the next game, we was down 24, that's, I, oh yeah. I don't even know. I was reading lips then. I couldn't really I couldn't really hear nothing. And um, you know, like Eric said that I all I say, I don't know if, if, if we could have continued to go long for five and six years. They had to make a change, but I don't think they had to make that change that next year. I wanted to play with no. that same group uh, one more year. Like two two years, I think our volume and our the, what we tasted from last, the following year, we lost to the East, um, to New Jersey in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just wanted to play with those guys one more year to say, okay, could we get over the hump and win this Eastern Conference? You know, yeah. and that's what I was, yeah. that's what I felt. They, they should. It was a business decision because then Paul Gaffney, you know, sold the team, then all the new owners yeah. come in. I understand it because it's, it's all about business. You know what I mean? But I just wanted to, you know, stay another one more year and finish it out and see how we could do together. Because they had to make a change. I think Paul was the keeper, which is, you know, young, still playing, you know, no injuries. Yeah. You know, Antoine, they could have made a decision. He was 50-50. But, you know, myself, I know I was getting older. You know, Eric Williams was getting a little older. You know, yeah. been, been injured from time to time. Tony Petit, a role player. Like, that whole, the whole roster, you could have looked at and said, ah, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't got that many years, but let's try to keep this team together one more year and see if we can get over the hump. But they didn't. I understand. Yeah, you were coming off that huge series against Detroit. You took it to Chucky, Chucky mm-hmm. Atkins pretty good, and that, that really had yeah. your stock really high, that's for sure. Did you guys have any doubt that you guys were going to take care of Detroit? Uh, yeah, we knew we were going to win that game. We've got a mirrored image, though. You know? Yeah. Like, as a, as a, as a, as a team, we've got a mirrored image. We played the same way, you know. Rick College defense, they slowed the ball up, executed. They didn't have no real sight. Cliff Robinson and uh, Chucky Atkins was having a decent year. They had some shooters. You know, they overachieved that year also. So, you know, I, but like I said, we just knew, like, when we got to Detroit, that I just think we were going to win. We were like, we're going to win. And I believe that year because we handled the Nets that season early, you know, got, I think 3-1. We beat yeah, them. you took I, three or four. Took, you took three of yeah, them. I think, we, we, I think we took Yeah, we took them for granted. And that's why they beat us, yeah. I really believe. And and, yeah. and uh 
And I just thought we were going to the finals. I really did. I was like, we're going to the finals. And I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, we played the Lakers with Shaq. Shaq, Shaq I Lakers. thought, was the X factor with us if we would have played them. Because he's just too big. But I think push. I think Kobe would have pushed, um, you know, pushed uh, um, uh, Paul would have pushed uh, Kobe. And I think Antoine Walker would have been, you know, you never know what you're going to get from him. And I just think our yeah. whole role plays and everybody was better than the Lakers. So I, I just think that our contrast style was, uh, you know, better. But they were so powerful in the paint. That, that's what have been a problem. Yeah. yeah. How'd you feel about yeah. that, Eric? Did you feel that you guys took New Jersey at all for granted? You guys, you know, you, you split down there in Jersey. Pierce had been playing all that well in the series. Then he had the comeback, mm-hmm. obviously. Did you think that you probably had demoralized that Nets team after you guys got up 2-1 and won in the manner you did in Boston? 100 percent, man. I mean, you know, because after that, after that, it was like, you know, who, who our defense was going to take us to the next level because you know, you know, once you get into playoff time, it's all half court. And we knew we had a better defense, you know. And but you know what? They had a they had a they had a, a Hall of Fame player, man. I mean, yeah, damn Jason Kidd, man, was playing the best basketball he ever played in his career. Those, yeah, yeah. Time, it, it wasn't about him scoring. He was just all over the place. He was just all over the place. And I was like, this dude, he was like running back and charges. Like, I, I, I was like, he's all over the place. I can't, you know, knock it. You just got to give him credit. I'm like, you know, he wasn't a great shooter. So every time in my career that I played him, I roamed around. You know what I mean? He was, you yeah. couldn't stop him from getting in a lane and making passes. So if he's going to get his assist. He's going to get his assist. He's going to, you know, knock down shots from time to time. But that theory, he just went crazy. He was just all over the place. I was like, this guy, he's just all over the place. So you had to give him time. He willed his team, you know, to victory. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. we, 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 uh, I thought when we came back from the 20-point 20, 20 game, went up 2-1, I just thought they was done. I thought they was done. Yeah. I thought they was chopped. You know, that, that tells you about them, you know, about their team. And with, with Jason and the leadership he had, that he, yeah. he, he, he willed them. He said, we don't. We're going to overcome. But let's go back to the game. Let's go. And I'm pissed off. Let's go back to game three or uh, four. Paul Pierce missed on free throws. Oh, yeah. We all would have won the game. We would have won the game. Yeah. I turned my back. I said, cool. I know he's going to make it. I said, he, I turned my yeah. back. I said, God, he's going to make it. He missed it. But we would have been up 3-1. Yeah. yeah. The, the complexion of that yeah, so. series changed after that game. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah, man. A lot of, you know, we, we – yeah, we, you know, I think that was like what Kenny A said, man. We would just can't be able to can't make that one more year. We would have learned from that, you know, looking ahead of teams and, you know, regular season ain't got nothing to do with the playoffs. That was one of our learning curves as you grow yeah. to be a championship team, you know. But like I you know, like we said, we were looking forward to the Celtics, Laker history and tradition. And I, you know, I admit, I was looking forward to that, you know what I mean? That's why, yeah. I, you know, being able to, to beat them, in the regular season, the way we, we beat them, the way we beat them, we beat them. You know what I mean? So it was like we looked forward. It ain't like we looked past that round, but we should have won that the game number four. And, you know what I mean? We, we should have never got so down in that in, in game like two that we had to over-exude ourselves with so much energy to come back, man. So, you know, it was all learn, learning curve at the time, but we didn't know that, you know, our team was not going to be together next year, you know, so – you know, just one of those situations where we was like, damn, man, opportunity missed, you know. Yeah. But we got next yeah. year. But next year never came for us. Yeah, it was interesting. I remember Chris Wallace told me a story when I was right in the fall of Boston Celtics. Like, he, he, he breathed a big sigh, and he goes, Antoine and Paul getting up on those tables after that third game. 
And apparently yeah. one of the trainers, for, it was an assistant trainer for the Nets at the time, is now the head trainer at the Grizzlies. Jason Kidd that night in the hotel apparently went door to door, just banging on the door, just saying, can you believe these mother effers doing the celebrating uh. the way they did? And they came out guns, guns a-blazing in that fourth game, and they really seemed to feed off of that what happened. They never really looked back. Yeah, man. So, how I many? Hey, you know, uh, you got to do your hats to. That's a great player. Well, yeah, I eat it. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I eat it because yeah. I played my career. I yeah. started with the net, so I was I was gritting yeah. my teeth. You know what I mean? I was gritting my teeth when we had them. You know, nah. two one. I just grit yeah. every day. I was like, I want to beat these motherfuckers. I just got closed. We got to close the door. You know what I mean? Excuse yeah, my language. That's what I was doing because that was you, I, I started that my career you, with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that wasn't all. That's you, what it happened. I know you had it was personal for you, but it wasn't all. Yeah, that. Yeah, I kept it all inside. He was. Yeah. He, he was everything for that team. If yeah. you take Jason Kidd out, that team ain't even in the playoffs. I'm telling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those years, look, look at them. The numbers. Those years. You know, he was just everything for that team. You know, he did everything for the motherfuckers. He dominated the ball 95 percent of the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, he just had these guys, and he just cultivated those guys, and, and, and they and they played good, solid, you know, basketball, you know, and they beat us, you know what I mean? It's, you know, there's no excuses, you know, but, you know, shoot oh, me no, out, no, they beat us, 100%. You know what I mean? We should have beat the dogs out of them, but, hey, you know, that's basketball. That's why we love this game, you know? And that's why we got to cherish every moment in, in these games, every game count, you know? Them all life lessons for me, man, you know? I learned a yeah. lot, you know, during that small period of time, being with the guys, and, you know, the camaraderie, what, what sacrifice mean, and a, and a whole lot of things. So it was great, man. Prepared me who I am today. You know, one yeah. player that we didn't mention in this at all was Vitaly Potopinko, and I want to touch upon this briefly. He got hurt in the final game of the season that year, and he yeah, was sort of a yeah. decent piece for you guys. You know, he was a change yeah, of pace was. from Tony Bettie. He was, you know, a big, big more broly guy. It seemed like you guys that, missed that, him that, against that was, the Nets. That was K.A. guy. That was K.A. guy right there. Yeah, 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 that was my guy because he, he, he was a great picker. He's a pick. He's a picker. Power. He can roll. He's good. But um, he was one of my guys. You know, we talked a lot. You know, in, in the locker room and off on the bus. We that was one of my guys. But he was very fundamentally sound, and he was a bruiser. Like, like he was physical, man. You wasn't going yeah. to him. You wasn't. Yeah. He was banging and everything. He just knows how to yeah, play the game. And that's, and that's yeah, why Shaq he's over there now in Cleveland. He's at Cleveland working. Yeah. Shaq, I mean, he said he guarded Shaq the best. Word up. Yeah. His body yeah. position. You know what I mean? He made Shaq take jump hooks all the time. That's why we was able to beat them, man. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he was a big part of our team. He would have been a big force for us down in the middle the same way. But, you know, you know when we were playing like the Nets, they had, you know, Aaron Williams. They had some big guys who can step out and was flex. You know, they was very creative. So, you know, we necessarily didn't need uh, Vitaly for that series. You know, we needed more, you know, guys who could go out there and guard them. Because Aaron Williams is who killed us. And that's the only reason why we lost. Because Aaron Williams is oh, yeah. who killed us in that series with the Nets. You know what I mean? Yeah. He kind of like yeah, killed yeah, us. You know, yeah. he was like, had games like seven for seven. And probably had like four dunks and, you know, four yeah, free throws yeah. and you know, he killed us. So that was that was that man. But Vitaly was, you know, he was good, good personality. He was one of our guys. He was one of those guys who, you know, said, "Fuck, I'm coming, hit the roll, great free throw shooter, jump hook, you know, jump hook uh, in the paint." And he was just one of our guys, man. You know what I mean? I love that guy. Any final reactions to that just season? Just sort of looking back on it. I mean, I know Kenny, you 
You mentioned that so team. I, you also mentioned the Lethal Weapon 3 team you have with Georgia Tech. Just how do you yeah, look back so on this that is year? A, I, look, I look at it like it was a very, uh, like, like, like E. Williams said, I learned a lot, you know, about sacrificing, team chemistry. Um, and then I'm, I'm so blessed that me and Eric Williams, you know, we're the only guys that really I, that I really stay in touch with from that team, and we do stuff together, and uh, we try yeah. to help each other out. So that, that's a blessing. Because you know, some you know, most guys in the NBA, you know, you, you, once you finish, you, you like you go about your separate ways, and you don't stay in touch mm-hmm. with your, your fellow your fellow peers. But me and Eric Williams mm-hmm. have been able to like tomorrow, next day, whatever. If I need to call him, I text him, say what's up, how you doing? He called me. Yep. So it's a blessing that I got yep. somebody in my corner that experienced, you know, uh, something with me that that a whole a lifetime. And when I go to Boston, it's like you know, I, I left Boston on a high. So I have nothing to be ashamed of. I love it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, a great tradition. Um, it's, it's always a Celtic. You know, once a Celtic, always a Celtic. And I can always yeah. say that I played for that franchise. Like, that, that's the yeah. – like, a Lakers or Celtic. If you play for those yeah. franchises in the NBA, you are blessed, man, to just walk around and say, hey, I played for the Celtics, and I played there for five years. So, I did something right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and this is just, just to, you know, compound what K.A. was talking about. I mean – so once I really understood, because you know I played basketball in the twelfth grade, I ain't start. I you know I ain't never want to be a, a basketball player. I wanted to be Dave Winfield and play for the Yankees. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but once I once I got drafted by the Celtics, and you know, and I can remember my um, my uh, interview with the Celtics before I got drafted, and Red Allback was there. You know, Larry was there, ML Carr was there, Dennis Johnson. You know, Havacek was passing me the ball in my workouts. And I was at that moment right there. That's when I knew I was in in in, in, the, in the tradition. It was greatness there. You know what I mean? When you could get some, your former players and champions to come back, and you know, I had red off back blowing smoke in my face. But listen, man, it was it was great to be able to be drafted by the Celtics and be drafted by when Red Allback was still the president and Larry Bird was the consultant. Yeah. I think I was I Larry leave. Bird's first. Yeah. I was like Larry Bird's first, um, you know, like first draft choice. You know, people don't even know that. Yeah. He was a consultant for the for the Celtics at the time with uh, with Red Allback, and you know, I was his first draft pick. So it was like it felt good to be a part of tradition. You know what I mean? And I gotta, you know, that I was gotta leave. I leave on this note. I leave on this okay. note because Jeff Twist is there. He's been there for 35 years. I got his <laughs> yeah, cell Jeff number. Twist. I got his phone number. Wherever they play, he gives me tickets. And he never forgot. So I really appreciate uh, Jeff. Uh, 2000, and I think they second championship run. I was in LA. You're doing some work, and they. Let, I, I was at the uh-huh. game seven when they lost to the Lakers. When they, you know, they should have won. I was there, you know, with um, because because of Jeff Twist, he left me some great tickets. And wherever I'm at, Once wherever you're Celtics, Celtics you're at, the Celtics. Yeah, <laughs> they take care of me with my tickets, and and that's not necessarily true for certain organizations. They don't really care about you once you're gone. So I got to give it up for the Celtics and, and Jeff Twist. He's the head of the Alumni Association, you know, keeping everybody together. Yeah. So Jeff spins everything. Yeah. You know, he lets me know what's going on. So he just, it's just great, man. It's a great organization. But, you know, far as, you know, when I was there, you know, we, they helped me. That's great to yeah. hear from former players. I, I, I personally, I've had the season tickets for over a decade. That means yeah. very little when, when, in fact, when you experience it from former players. Class organization, but two class players themselves, members of the 2002 Boston Celtics and both players who had long careers. Eric Williams, Kenny Anderson, 
Thanks so much for joining us on Celtics Beat. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. We appreciate your time, guys. We appreciate that blast of a season. What a magic carpet ride it was. Makes me feel old. As I said, I was 15 at the time, and it's been almost 15 years now. So, ha, do the math. No fun approaching that age, I know. But but I still get questions from people I just meet. Hey, where do you go to school, LLHR? I've been out of college for quite some time now, and I love hearing people say that I look younger than I am. It's because I stay healthy with Y supplementation, and I get it from the best, all additive-free, no fillers, no junk. Get all my goods, my magnesium, my potassium, my essential vitamins, my everything, bone cartilage for muscle and joint recovery from Dr. Ron's. can log on to drrons.com, mention Celix or the show to get a discount on your order, and of course, by eating healthy at every single meal, no exceptions, at eating delicious. No, it's not raw broccoli or goofball juice recipes, American Farmers Network, certified organic meat, their steaks, be it fillets, New York strips, and of course my favorite big juicy fatty ribeyes are 100% grass-fed, their poultry are free-ranging and pasture-raised, an array of meat to choose from, from roasts, burgers, beef, poultry, pork, they are utterly delicious, and most importantly, they are the most healthy and humanely raised animals on small family farms, I'm telling you this as my endorsement 100%, you will not regret your first purchase, and you'll be coming back for more. Want to be healthy? Then eat healthy. And you can start by doing so simply logging on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition for Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Celtics underscore Beat on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat on Facebook. Love to thank our guests, Eric Williams and Kenny Anderson. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Chelso, and myself, the executive producer, I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.